Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Good Thursday morning. We are hours away from Thursday night football, the Pats and the Rams. And hours ago, Ohio State find out they're going to be on Saturday afternoon football. That is the date that circled Saturday, December 19th. Noon Eastern, Northwestern versus, well, it was a question mark for a while, but to many it wasn't a question mark at all. It's now official, the Ohio State Buckeyes, as the league changes their rules to allow the Buckeyes in its set. It's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, and we're presented by Progressive Insurance. The NFL, as I mentioned, is back tonight, but let's start in with college football. Key, off the jump, you essentially say this is a win for the Big Ten, but the number of wins Ohio State has... Still not sitting well with you. No. I, I Look, Zubin, as we look at this thing and we've been watching this thing from the beginning, you know, it's about the money. I understand. I get that. I have no problem with that. You want to divvy it up amongst the, the other teams in the conference, great. I look at it, though, f- five victories, and I understand they, they, where they started, what, why it's only five possibly six, playing Northwestern in the championship game. But to put them in the championship game so they could basically qualify, impress the committee one more time with six wins, I think you just – it's like five? Really? When other teams have played way more games? Ten? Some have played ten. ten, nine (laughs) games. I mean, I understand you couldn't get all of your games in, but it's like, really? I mean, I get it. The the rules are in place or were in place, and it's not something that's etched in stone. This is only for this year uh, that these rules were in place to begin with. And so you just look at it. It's like, okay, man, whatever. At the end of the day, it's about the money. Now we finally – I think we finally have a tunnel to be able to look out on the other end and say, oh, it's about the money because the entire time, Jay Will, nobody would ever admit – it was about the money, but clearly, without you even saying anything, you have admitted it's about the money because you put the only team in a championship position and a championship position to win six games to get to the final four to get to the money. That's it. You didn't say, we're going to put Indiana in, we're just going to automatically put Minnesota in. No, you put the team that's most likely could compete with the final four to get to the money. This is the least shocking thing I've seen in 2020. We all knew this was going to happen. I mean, let's put this in perspective for a second. So this team is undefeated. What outcome would have made more sense? To put Indiana in the Big Ten championship game, even though they lost to Ohio State at 6-1? and one? Would that have made more sense to the conference? That wouldn't have made more sense. No, not at all. Not, Th- not this necessarily is, to the conference. I think it would have made more sense to people. Why? Because of because they the, play one more game. Yeah, because they play two more games. I, that doesn't make sense to me. That 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 still wouldn't make sense. It, this is also this is the first thing the Big Ten has gotten right all year long. This is, team is the best representation for the conference going into the college football playoffs. No question whatsoever. I just have an issue because it's only five games. If they played. If they had played seven games, you wouldn't even hear me say anything at all. I'd be like, yeah, they deserve to go. But this shouldn't even be a conversation if the Big Ten didn't give a six-game minimum in order for them to make the Big Ten championship. They came out with an arbitrary number, six games, which I don't know how you can even come out with that number. Well, I think I think what happened was because they started late, they, they had to end the season on a certain date. 
to be able to get to the championship games all being played on December 19th, correct? Yes, here are the numbers. Essentially, the ACC and the SEC started on September 12th. The Big Ten started on October 23rd. So that is a difference of 41 days. You add one more day, that's six weeks. Yeah, that's like and, six or seven making extra amends. games. They're making they amends started, for their first mistake. If they would have started whenever, when the ACC started, they could have got in yeah. a handful more games. But they didn't. I understand why they didn't start, though, and I applaud them for that because of the health and safety and the well-being of the student-athlete. I don't know which, if I applaud them for that. I do, though, Jay. No, because I, I do. I, but, but, Key, they canceled the season. They didn't. Put a pause really, on the season. Was it really a council I know, that they it, wind it, up playing? Well, it turned into a pause after there was a lot of forced pressure on the league Allegedly. to do things, Allegedly. to play. But they canceled the season. Let's remember that. It wasn't like the SEC or the ACC that were saying, hey, we're going to take a pause. We're going to fill this out. I know this is – it's hard to say which one's right or which one's wrong, but obviously everybody's been able to play through. I don't see any other conferences have this same – challenge that the Big Ten does because they canceled the season, then they got pressured to play. Well, you said any other conference. I know you could care less. Well, the Pac-12, sorry. I know you could care less. But the Pac-12 followed the Big Ten after they did it. the Pac-12 kind of got even a later start. Agreed. Look what happens to USC now. No, I get it. I I understand that. But I applaud them for that because you still want to make the right decisions and move. Now, look, eventually all the pandemic issues caught up to every conference meaning they had to cancel games, postpone games, players had uh, tested positive. It caught up to every conference. But in the beginning stages of everything, you have to look at the health and the safety and the well-being of the student-athlete and everybody else. It's just a fact. You had to look at that if you was Commissioner Kevin Warren. You can't just be like, okay, they're playing, so we're going to play. You got, you, know, you got a job to do and a duty to, a duty to not only protect those student-athletes and administrators and everybody else, on campus, you wanted to just make sure that everything was right. Pressure did probably come. We'll never really know where it came from, but pressure probably did come to make them play. It just uh, look at the dichotomy of these two narratives, Zubin. You'll like, you'll appreciate this. Go for it. So, the season was canceled originally due to health concerns, right. right? Yes, sir. Where are we right now, Zubin? We're probably the biggest spike that we've had throughout this entire thing. Basically yeah, the same situation we were. Higher. Yeah, no, higher, higher but I'm right? saying basically the That's same situation. That's where we situation. are now, right? But originally it was canceled due to health. You fast forward, they get pressured into playing. They put their best team forward because, you know, last year, 2020 CFP, each team got $6 million that they would then disperse into each team in the conference to a certain degree. And now they're putting their best foot forward to put a team into the Big Ten, into the college football playoffs during a spike in order to get the money. So at the end of the day, it's about the bottom line, guys. Let's be real about this. It comes back to the money. Key, you've always said this in other sports. Follow the Follow the money. Yeah. Follow the money. I, I, I get it that there's no argument from me on the money issue. The only thing I say is just the five games. I understand they put themselves behind the eight ball when they decided to push the season back some. They missed 41 days, much like Zubin said. I understand all that. I get it. It's just five games versus 10 and nine and some other games. That's all. Well, let me give you the optics, Jay. Obviously, you're always talking about perception and reality. So here are the teams above and below Ohio State. And this just rings true to what Key's saying in the optics that you speak of. Alabama has played nine games. Notre Dame has played 10 games. Clemson has played 10 games. Here comes Ohio State with five games. Below them, Texas A&M, 
eight games. Below them, Florida, nine games. The Gators quarterback, Kyle Trask, will join us later this morning. And those teams are still going to play other games. So they will have even more games Correct. than Ohio State. That's all I'm saying. Just, it doesn't – think about – put it this way, though, Jay. If you were a coach – Oh, I'll be hot. You'll be hot. I'll be hot. You'll be hot. Or if you was a player. I'll be hotter. You'll be hot. It's like, man, I took 10 games in chances, and you took five less chances, but we're in the same position. Hmm. We're in the same position, Jay. I played 10. You played five. I'm going to be mad as hell. Right about that. Last thing I would say to Jay's point, it is sobering, but it is worth mentioning because it's really important. Yesterday, 3,100 people died in this country of the coronavirus. That is a single-day record. The CDC is not recommending travel, yet college football, college basketball, and NFL teams are crisscrossing the country as we speak. Just think about that for a second. Be a part of the Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zuba Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. We're asking you this morning, simple, whether Ohio State deserves to be in the college football playoff, and tell us why. ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. It's official college football's back. And so is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. So Ohio State, yay or nay, and why? 888-SAY-ESPN or KeyJNZ on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you all morning long. On the way, sure, you could say Wentz, Trubisky, and company fail their respective teams. But did their respective teams really fail them? We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Obviously, my, my role has changed this week, but the preparation and the hard work has not. What do the next four weeks mean now for the quarterback position here in Philly? Right now, they really just need to win a game. What do you think of Carson Wentz's future in the NFL moving forward? Oh, his future is right. Speaking of contrarian opinions, that's resident Eagles fan Kevin Nagandi saying, what do you think about Wentz's future? That's the first dude on record I think I've heard say, oh, it's bright. Are we sure about that? Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Quarterbacking is always a two-way street. 
in the NFL, the onus is on the quarterback. They get paid the most. They get the most credit. They receive the least blame when you're winning. It's the inverse when you're losing. So the question this morning is, sure enough, Wentz hasn't played well enough for Philly. Trubisky hasn't played well enough for Chicago. And on the other side of it, you kind of think the Texans have sort of failed Watson without giving him the requisite weapons. But on the other side with Wentz and Trubisky, and we can get to Watson in a second, he, do you really think it's on the organization for not giving Wentz an offensive line, for not drafting well? Is it on the Bears mm. for what they put around Trubisky? Watson is a special case because he's a fringe MVP candidate for everything he's done, and I know Jay's hot on him, so we'll put Deshaun in a different category here in just a moment. But the organization failing Wentz, the organization failing Trubisky. Can you make an argument in either case? I, I really, when I, when I look at, let's start with Carson Wentz. I think it, I wouldn't necessarily put it on the organization. I gave a guy $100-something million <laughs> to lead the charge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've Preach. drafted some players. Every player's not going to work out, right? You, you, Jalen Rigger, who they just drafted, obviously, they could have gotten D.K. Metcalf. They could have took this. But you can go back and forth on who, what, when, where, and how. The bottom line is he's the quarterback of the team. There's a lot of teams in this league that have certain deficiencies at certain positions, offensive line breakdowns, whatever you want to call it. They figure out how to get it done. Uh, the offensive line is called, you know, the offensive line is, is not stable. Guys have been in and out of the lineup, a lot of different combinations. But when you are upright and you are standing tall in the pocket, you have to deliver the football. You can't throw the football in the third row. You can't throw it at people's feet. You got to be able to check in and out of certain uh, uh, plays when certain coverages dictate those sort of things. So when you look at it, he hasn't lived up to the billing at all, in my opinion. They certainly got it done with Nick Foles. He helped them get to a championship by putting him in a position to have a first-round bye, and then Nick Foles takes over. Carson Wentz had an okay late-season run last year. So when you look at this year, it's kind of like, well, okay, how does a guy fall off so fast? He hasn't – it's just – mechanics is things that he's doing, throwing interceptions, not seeing it clear, forcing footballs and ill-advised throws in places that he shouldn't. So that's not the organization. I mean, Doug Peterson certainly hasn't forgot how to coach football overnight, right? And then let's move to Mitch Trubisky. When you talk about Mitch Trubisky, you say the organization, has it failed him? Yes, the coach. They hired Matt Nagy after firing John Fox, a defensive-minded coach, to bring in so-called offensive guru who comes over from the Kansas City Chiefs who was supposed to be this innovator, this guy who could do some of the same things Eric the Enemy's doing with, with uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes. We haven't seen any of that. And when you look at, you know, I, I hear the argument from people, wait, one, he's 25 and something, and that record on the something is getting larger and larger week by week on the lost column. From the first year that he's gotten there, they went to the playoffs. But that wasn't Mitch Trubisky. Let's not play games. That was the defense. Mitch Trubisky made a few throws, may have won a game with a throw or two, but it wasn't the second pick overall doing those sort of things. It was the defense. So the so organization in Chicago certainly has failed Mitch Trubisky because the coach failed him, the guy that you brought in. This is not Sean McVay. This is not... Sean Payton, Eric B. Enemy, Andy Reid. I can go on and on and on with the offense, Kyle Shanahan. That's what you thought she was getting, Jay. You mm-hmm. thought she was getting one of those coaches that could just move things around, motion a guy over here, hide it over there. 
it, it to a point where Sean McVay, when he first got Jared Goff, and I don't know if you guys remember this or not, he was essentially he had essentially adopted a college philosophy from the sideline. You know that turn to the sideline, Jay, look to get the play call, then go back at the line of scrimmage and call a play. He took the training wheels off of Jared Goff. Those were training wheels early on in Jared Goff. Why am I saying that? Is because that's how he coached him to become better. He guided him through those things. You don't see that with no damn uh, naggy. And then let's move to Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson wasn't failed by Bill O'Brien at all. He was failed by the general manager, Bill O'Brien, not the head coach. I thought I, I, I look at from the day that they drafted him and Bill O'Brien felt good about selecting him when others passed on him, he went and got him. Didn't start him immediately and didn't realize, yeah, if I want to keep my job as a head coach, I better start this dude. He started him in Deshaun $200 million later. So it wasn't the coach that failed him. It was the general manager by trading DeAndre Hopkins, by doing those sort of things, taking weapons away from him, not adding the pieces that Deshaun needed to become better. Now, Mina Kimes was with, with us yesterday, and she said Deshaun is playing like an MVP candidate. When you look at his numbers and you look at the way he's carrying the football team in some of the wins and the losses, Deshaun is playing pretty damn good football. And I like that. You know, he's a total QBR of 72.2 right now when these other guys are less than 50. So, look, I, 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 I think Carson Wentz has a future in the National Football League. It may not be with the Philadelphia Eagles, though. And Mitch Trubisky will be a backup for somebody, and Deshaun will be the franchise quarterback in Houston for whatever quarterback wants him. I mean, whatever head coach wants him. I only have 30 seconds to get my quick thoughts in, but Zubin, I will ask you a quick thought. Shut up. Uh, well, you're the one that just talked for three and a half minutes straight. <laughs> um, <laughs> very informative, though. I did like it. Zubin, uh, what happened to the Texans last year in the playoffs? Were they up on a team? 24 nothing on the Chiefs. Is that what you're referencing in the divisional game? It's the biggest failure on Deshaun Watson. I know his talent is overtaking that right now, considering they're 4-8, and eight, but that's an organizational failure by Bill O'Brien. I know they're trying to remedy that right now. But when you lose DeAndre Hopkins, when you decide to let him go, think about uh, he's been Deshaun Watson's top target. 2017, 96 catches, 1378 yards, 13 TDs. I know Watson only started six of those games. 2018, 115 catches, 11 TDs. 2019, 104 catches, 1165 yards, 7 TDs. And then on top of that, you let him go in the last year, Will Fuller's contract. You didn't even sign Will Fuller full, like, long-term in order to at least make that pill as tougher to swallow, but at least you have a top target that's built in. It's organizational failure on Deshaun Watson, even though his talent is doing that despite their failure. You caught up. Good stuff, Jay, calling uh, it the and 40 organizational seconds. Efficiency. malpractice. <laughs> so Jay just gave us some unbelievable numbers there on Deshaun Watson. You cannot argue those numbers in any way, shape, or form. Cam Newton's coming off a 69-yard yeah. passing performance. Sixty. Deshaun does that in a quarter. Cam's coming off 69 yards through four quarters. So what is the possibility, by the way, that came in a win, that Cam is going to be the Patriots starter after this season? The fellows with strong thoughts on that. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Cam got COVID, and it sort of turned their season upside down. They lose four in a row. You never can count them out because a, a great coach comes up with a game, but a game plan that wins me football game. The playing the Los Angeles Rams, who know they've had their problems. Jared Goff's 10 turnovers since week eight are three more than any other quarterback in the league. I'm not going to dive in yet because anything can happen. Anything can indeed happen on a short week. It's Thursday night football. It's the Pats and the Rams. The Pats coming off a win over the Chargers. They stayed in Southern California. They got the Rams tonight. Belichick said uh, after the uh, game against the uh, Chargers on Sunday, maybe this is why Bill is Bill, uh, you went 45 nothing. Time to take a deep breath. Not so much. He goes, we went right back to the hotel and watched some film because we knew we didn't have to get on a plane. Key, he actually said this was uh, like a home game because they didn't get back on a plane. So he just sort of felt like we're ready to go. Two games in four or five days. No, it's... it's um interesting how they have to plan for everything. They're in Los Angeles. Los Angeles is shut down, so that's a plus for them. He doesn't have to worry about guys doing things that they shouldn't be doing because there's nothing to do. Um, It's a a plus that they don't have to fly all the way back east and then go all the way back west on a short week. It allows them to focus in just on the Rams and get that game plan exactly like he wants it. And speaking of a game plan – He's, he's 2-0 against Sean McVay and company in Jared Goff. Jared Goff's only completing 47% of his passes against the New England Patriots. So that game plan will certainly be in place when you look for it. Um, it's going to be an exciting game tonight. I can't wait to watch it because last night I couldn't find – I was just like, what am I going to do? What is the – you know, I tried to watch something. It's just like, oh, well, I guess I go back to ID Network. Yep. But now tonight I'll be able to lock in <laughs> – on football. We got spoiled with two Monday night games, a Tuesday night game. We got a Thursday night game. Let's go to the Shell Pennzoil performance line and welcome in Pat's insider, Mike Reese. We're going to talk about this, Mike, with the fellas in just a little bit. But because you're there, boots on the ground uh, every day, what does your reporting tell you about the possibility of Cam with his up and down season being the Pat starter next season? Zubin, uh, Bill Belichick always likes to say my crystal ball is a little cloudy when we ask him questions like that. And, and I think that's the right answer because it's really um, to be determined. What I can tell you, boots on the ground, is that the Patriots have loved having Cam Newton here this year. He has come in and immersed himself 
in their team culture, has been a selfless leader. I think he's given nicknames to everyone from, you know, the owner to the people serving the food uh, to the team, which they love. And, you know, his play has been up and down. And I think the big question as to whether he wouldn't be back is if they just feel ultimately that they need to do better in the passing game where they've been limited. How do the, how, Mike, how do, do the Patriots feel about their playoff chances because they looked so bleak a couple weeks ago. Now we could see possible hope. Keyshawn, one of the things that I've heard the last two weeks from them is that they feel like they're playing their best football of the season right now, and it's because they've found their identity. Uh, You know, the way they need to play to win games, and if they play that way, they feel like they're a very good team. And to sort of sum up that formula, it's, downhill physical running game led by Cam Newton and Damian Harris. Uh, Defensively, it's opportunistic, led by Stephon Gilmore, the reigning defensive player of the year, who sort of turned up his game the last couple weeks. And it's dominating on special teams. It's putting pressure on the other side in the kicking game where they're making big-time plays. They take on the Rams at night out in Los Angeles, as we mentioned, in Thursday Night Football. What is it that they need to do, though, that you're hearing that for, to allow them to beat the Rams? So, Keyshawn, start with this. You know, uh, Jared Goff, you know, Zubin mentioned it just sort of entering this, this segment here. Put pressure on him and make him react to different things in front of him. They've had success with that in the past. So you've got to start there defensively. And then offensively, you just have to score enough. You know, this is not a potent offense. This isn't Tom Brady to Randy Moss to Wes Welker to Dante Stallworth. But if they can complement the defense by holding on to the ball, extending drives, and maybe getting some bonus points on special teams like, you know, where they block a field goal, return it for a touchdown, return a punt for a touchdown like they did against the Chargers. That right there is the complementary formula they need. Mike, how likely is it that Cam Newton will be a starter next year? That's a great question, Jay. And, and I think it's hard because you're, you're, you're widening it out to the 32-team landscape. And I think, you know, here in New England – It was clear, like, this guy, we feel like he gives us the best chance based on what we have. Um, You know, now you get to the offseason, you get a whole new influx of quarterbacks coming into the league in the draft. You know, I think he's on the edge, Jay. Like, I look at it, and I'm like, if there's 32 starters in the league, I think he's more in the 25 to 35 range. Mm. So I think there will be opportunity for him there, but he might have to go compete and win a job. And how much he wants to do that, I think that'll be interesting to see. It's a fascinating point. Mike has him pinned at 25 to 30, but just five years ago, he was the best player in football as the clear-cut MVP, the best player in a 15 and one team. It says a lot how fast this league moves. Mike, thank you very much. We'll look for your work tonight on ESPN.com as soon as the game ends. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a Thanks, great Mike. one. Thank you. That's Mike Reese. He's with the Pats 24-7. 365. So, all right. So that Mike weighing in, essentially saying he's a 25 to 30. Obviously, there are 32 starters. The Pats clearly love having him around. He answered that as well. All right, Key, a year from now, Cam Newton, Pat starter? You know, I think he will be. When you when you say 25 to 30, I understand what, what Mike Reese is saying right there, because when you look at it, 
there are teams that have quarterbacks that don't need quarterbacks. True. So it's like, you know, you go, you can go from the West all the way to the East and go through every single division and conference, and you can point out, okay, they need a quarterback, they need a quarterback, they don't need a quarterback, it's going to be some movie. And so you start to look at it, and it puts him in that 25 to 30 category. I think when you look at what he's been able to do this year, a powerful running game, not just because he has been inaccurate at times throwing the football and bouncing balls at people's feet or throwing it over people's heads. It's also he doesn't have any other weapons around him. So he's not getting the necessary help that will allow him to evolve in the Patriots passing game. So what you do is you do what helps you win football games, which is Damian Harris, and well, with Cam Newton running the football and becoming bullish. Mm. That is how you win. And, and next year, maybe in the offseason, they acquire people via trade, free agency, through the draft, that will help the offense become better. And I think that he, they are playing their best football right now. And I think if they get into the playoffs, and if they don't get into the playoffs, there's a strong chance and a possibility he will be the Patriots quarterback next year. Mm-hmm. I, I think he will be by default. Now, it depends upon how economically efficient you could be with his contract moving forward. Um, you know, Key, I would ask you, what, what kind of money do you think he, he would want or he would? You know, he's making a million dollars with a little bit of incentives, whatever that is this year. I think you probably give him a, a, a bigger base salary, uh, not in that double-digit range, exactly. but somewhere in that better-than-backup range quarterback. Because backup quarterbacks are making probably – seven million dollars right now some quality backups no when you when you think about some of the quality backups the marcus marios who's not even on the field this year is making eight million bucks chase daniel yeah, those, chase, guys, yeah, yeah, those guys are making money so jay you figure out that plus you give him some proven incentive Sentence. deals and push help push him up and you get a lot of players back right that have opted out your team looks well a lot a lot of players co- have opted out but not the number i think was like eight or ten or something like that. But those guys, there's only like three of them that actually would make a I'm difference. I'm just talking about get your team completely yes. back. Yes, Potentially, instead of bringing on a new quarterback, absorbing that cost, you're able to get him for a lower cost. It, de- it depends upon how Bill Belichick, if he wants to stay committed to that style of play, if he sees a future with that style of play with Cam Newton, or if he wants to be more of a pass-first offense. Think about, think about, well, he could still be a pass-first offense. You just have to retool some stuff on offense. Think about it. he's been without Julian Edelman for a while, which is a which is a key. They don't really have any tight. They don't have any tight ends. Not really. They don't have any tight ends. So when you don't have certain things, no matter who you are, and I had this conversation with the guys up in Boston the other day, and I was telling them, I said, man, if y'all had Tom Brady, if you had the great Tom Brady right now, you might be good for one more victory based on all of that stuff around you. There's Nobody like Jacoby Myers is their best wide receiver, Mm. an undrafted guy who worked his tail off to make the 53 man and make it somewhat of an impact on the offense. They don't have anything. And, you know, they don't have anything because they've been running the ball consistently for the last several weeks. And the coaching staff realizes we can't throw the ball. And it's just not Cam Newton. It's these guys can't separate. It's a wasted pick on the kill. Harry, the receiver out of Arizona State who in two years has done nothing. I mean, he's just a body with a number. And so when you start to look at those sort of things as a, as a team, you're like, who, what gives us the best chance to win, Jay? Running the football yep. and playing defense, much like Mike Reese said. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with it. I know we want to see him 
throw the ball everywhere because we're looking at Aaron Rodgers and we're looking at Drew Brees's and we're looking at Russell Wilson's and Patrick Mahomes and no. we think you got to throw the ball everywhere. That's not true. No, I'm just I'm not saying you have to throw the ball everywhere. I'm just wondering what style Bill Belichick wants to play moving forward after this year. And then when you that, talk that's about the question. you talk about a quarterbacks that could potentially be available. Yeah. Think about the money. You got to absorb think about the cost. The, think about the cost, like you said, the money, the assets that you have to give up to maybe acquire some of those guys that now has to learn a system, been in the system for a long time. Matt Ryan, uh, Matthew Stafford, maybe Jimmy G is available to you, but do you want Jimmy G? Do you feel like that's a real option for you? Um, you, you know, you start to look at maybe there's a Jameis Winston on a one year deal from New Orleans. Does Jameis really want to leave New Orleans to come be with you? in New England when he has an opportunity in New Orleans to maybe be the guy next year instead of Taysom Hill. So you start to start to kind of look at the quarterbacks that could potentially be available to you next year, and is Cam Newton a better fit than those guys? That's a big question. The financial commitment to him this year by NFL standards is paltry. Totally agree with you on Nikhil Harry. There's the old cliche. He's always hurt. Uh, the, the old cliche, you can't make the club in the tub. And that's one of those situations hmm. for him. He just can't get through it. Keyshawn J. Will has even brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Look, we all accidentally damage our phones. It happens. Now, Straight Talk Wireless' new Platinum Unlimited plan includes phone protection, just 65 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, data, and more. See mobile protect terms and conditions at assurion.com slash straight talk. Limitations and exclusions apply. So that's a lot of chatter on Cam, what his short-term and long-term future might be. Long-term future, according to Key and many others, is very bright for Jared Goff, but our ESPN Rams reporter, Lindsey Theory, QB on the other sideline tonight, weighing in and evaluating kind of the up-and-down play at least the last couple weeks for Jared Goff. A week after Goff turned in a three-turnover performance and a loss to the 49ers, he bounced back with a nearly flawless effort against the Cardinals. But we all know what kind of fits Bill Belichick and the Patriots caused the Rams' offense in Super Bowl 53, and that's the last time these two teams met. But the Pats again this year are bringing the pressure. They rank sixth in the league in pressure rate, and Goff tells me at this point now we've seen a little bit of everything this year. And we have good plans for whatever the defense might show. Now, Sean McVay did double down on what Goff said, saying we've got to be ready to handle a variety of looks. But he expressed confidence that Goff will be able to do that. And you totally agree with that. It's unbelievable. Yeah, because it's I was on NFL Live yesterday. And and, uh, one of the things that we talked about was this matchup tonight. And one of the things that I said was this game is not about Sean McVay versus Bill Belichick. It's about the defensive-minded system that's in New England versus Jared Goff. Because Sean McVay, once he calls the play into the headset, Jay, and that headset goes off, he can't help Jared Goff. He can't help him in pre-snap reads anymore. Now Jared Goff has to decipher what's in front of him, be able to get them in and out of bad plays, make sure that he understands that he's going to get – a ton of different looks. It's not going to be vanilla. He's not going to be able to walk up to the line of scrimmage and just say, oh, they're in man-to-man. I know what to do with the football. It's not going to happen that way. One time they may be in man at the snap of the ball. All of a sudden they're in the two men, they're in the two zone. Then all of a sudden they're in quarters in the secondary. Or maybe they're an all-out blitz coming. And then all of a sudden they're dropping eight. I mean, it's all sorts of different stuff that he has to decipher and understand and be precise at it. Because once that pressure starts to come, that's when Jared Goff gets into trouble. There's like a certain panic that sets in. And Sean McVay will not be there to help you out at the snap of the ball. 
We talked about this yesterday about the NFC, about, you know, if you had to rank Super Bowl contenders, how would you do that? Would you have the Saints probably be number one, Green Bay number two? And we kind of flirted with the Rams being number three right there as a team that can contend for a Super Bowl. In order for me to get on the bandwagon of the Rams, I'm already on the bandwagon of their defense. I've been questioning Jared Goff this whole time. Can you been telling me he's one of the best quarterbacks there is in the league, correct? Yeah. Oh so yeah. in order yeah, for him like to do it. that, I want to see him go next level against a defense that is going to throw an array of defenses at him. This is like a big boy game for him to really make a statement about, hey, this is different than the Super Bowl where they only held us to three points. I'm a different version of who I was, and I'm going to prove that by showing you on Thursday Night Football that I made the right steps in the right directions to take our team to win a Super Bowl. And look, and when you look at it, last week he didn't turn the football over. If he does that, they win the game. It's it's not difficult to see. Right. You turn it over, you're going to lose. You, if you stay clean and you don't turn the ball over, your chances increases at winning the game against the New England Patriots. It's not that difficult. They've got a lot of playmakers on the offense, whether it's Brown and Henderson at the back, whether it's Everett and Higby at tight end, whether it's Cooper Cup, Reynolds, Jefferson, and Woods at the receiver spot. Acres. Acre, I mean, it's so many pieces to play with. But it all boils down to number 16. Mm-hmm. If Pimsel Neck does not turn the ball over, they'll be fine. It's buddy, I could call him okay. Pimsel Neck. It, 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 if Jared doesn't ta- turn the ball over, and I've told Jared that a million times, don't turn the ball over and you'll be fine, man. Just don't turn it over. Let's pencil in this uh, player resume. Jared Goff led the Rams <laughs> to an appearance in Super Bowl 53 two years ago. Looks to lead him back again this year. Jay was talking about the contenders. For the Super Bowl out of the NFC, the Rams certainly have to be in that group. This player resume brought to you by Indeed. Hiring? You need Indeed. Learn more at Indeed.com slash credit. Let's go from A to Z. Yeah. House of Boozerville. And from A to Z is brought to you by Redbox. Redbox's new movies at the box and streaming on demand. Don't miss Fat Man starring Mel Gibson. Visit Redbox.com for all the ways to watch. We mentioned we're going from Cameron Indoor to the Coliseum. Jay's old home, Cameron Indoor. After Duke lost Tuesday night to Illinois. Uh, By the way, Illinois ranked higher than Duke in that game. Monster Squad. Coach K openly questioned whether college basketball should continue to be played amid this pandemic listen to coach k right after the game the other night that was made without knowing if there's going to be where the vaccine was how many cases basically it was more of a mentality of get as many games in as possible and i would just like just for the safety the mental health and the physical health of our players and staff like to assess where we're at i know somebody will take what i'm saying tonight and make it like I'm making excuses. I don't make excuses. We need to get a lot better, but for the good of the game and the good of the, the safety and the mental and physical health of our players and staff and whatever, we, we need to constantly look at this thing. I'm glad we played the full clip in its entirety because yesterday, internet trolls, hmm. all you see is a snippet of the clip where he just talks about him saying, hey, we need to do something different in college basketball. And people saying he's making excuses. He was not. The first thing he actually said when he came to the podium is that they got their tails whipped by an Illinois team that is a really good team. And he said Duke is not a really good team. Let me give you some context. 177 total games involving at least one Division I team, roughly 20% have been canceled. 177 games. 
This is where we're at as we're getting towards a spike with COVID-19. Sounds like an excuse to me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't help yourself. He was waiting on that one. But you know what I'm talking about. You know how people love to jump on top of these things. And I would be the first one to tell you if Coach K didn't own the fact that they got their tails whooped. I watched the damn game. Mm-hmm. I was disappointed in our team, too. But I also agree with Coach K at what he said. No Jay. question about it. I totally what? agree. No, I was going to say, you know better. No better than what? Be listening to them people, man. That's your coach. You know your coach ain't making no, no but excuses. No, but, but it, no, it you just wasn't, that. just wasn't internet. It turned into, like, headlines. No, I, I understand headlines that, everywhere. but you know how I feel when people start, man, I'm not listening to them. I'm not listening to them. Coach, you know Coach K. And you know damn well Coach K ain't making no excuses no matter what the situation is. That's we'll, all I'm saying. We'll lastly say from a very short basketball perspective, and I'm glad Jay mentioned that, and we did run the quote in full because we do live in a headline society. But just from a pure basketball perspective, Duke did not enroll one player that was in the ESPN top one hundred, the top ten. Mm-hmm. They, they rank a hundred guys every year from ESPN. They didn't enroll a top ten guy, and also Wendell Moore. I I, I don't like to say. He's been a zero. Agreed. He's like been a total zero. But by the way, he's like one of their best players. He's a zero. I'll tell you that right now. That's not an excuse, though. That's Agreed. not an excuse. They, they got their they got their tails whooped right. by Illinois. But I will say this: Duke has the resources. All these guys are staying at the Washington Duke inside of a hotel, really nice facility. Not every D one has those type of resources in order to help these teams move throughout COVID. So I'm just saying it's getting more and more interesting by the second to watch how. These conferences are handling this and how they're adapting on the fly. What do you make of the fact, just from a different perspective, that Duke is, quote-unquote, struggling. Kentucky's out to their worst start in 20 years. Kansas is winning games, but barely winning games. They slipped by Creighton, very good program. The other day, they slipped by North Dakota State, not the football team, the basketball team. What do you make of the fact that these blue bloods, even UCLA, he's fine with UCLA struggling, but uh, a lot of these blue blood squads are really struggling early this year all collectively. Turnover rate's too fast in college basketball. It's too fast. I mean, in, in order to recruit and to stay relevant, you're trying to bring in top 10 recruits, top 20 recruits. But that turnover affects your chemistry each and every year. That's why you have Gonzaga. That's the number one team in the country. That's why you have Iowa and Luca Garza with Jordan Bohannon, the way they play, being a top three team in the country, because they understand how to play, how to play basketball. And all them teams that you just named will probably wind up being like when tournament time comes, there in the end. Luca Garza, maybe national player of the year. You might not see him go top 20 in NBA draft. That's where we're at. Shows you the difference between those two sports. More Ohio State chatter on the way. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.